Hey, welcome back to the program. Carrie, it's the Feast of St. Patrick. You said you saw something on Facebook? Like, what would St. Patrick want to, want to do? Uh, I think someone was joking, saying, oh, St. Patrick, of course, would want you to break your fast because the church is in such a great state right now. That we don't need to be fasting. We don't need to be fasting and repenting and praying and sacrificing. No, just let's have a big celebration. That's exactly what the saints would want for That's us. That's funny, because right? if you think about the life he lived, it was not a life marked by lots of celebration and... and you Our know, whole life ball. is a celebration <laughs> compared to what people were living like back then. Okay, so I, I'm i doing these cold showers, right? But you can take a longer one on Sunday. I have not done that. you do need to scrub up, ma'am. <laughs> it's getting a little smelly. Honey. No, you're honey. not. That's you're on not. the radio. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're not. I don't get close enough to know. <laughs> That's terrible. We haven't even prayed. Oh, we got to pray. That's, a, that's I the have, problem. We haven't prayed. I have a very inspiring story to say, <laughs> and it involves cold water. And you just threw cold water on my Bye. cold water story. Okay, so let me let me pray, and then we'll get started. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, our God, thank you for the gift of Lent. Thank you for the gift of sacrifice. Thank you for inviting us to follow you on the path of the passion so that we would come to a deeper experience of new life. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to journey with you in the desert. Lord, help us. Help us to uh, continue in this second half of Lent to be uh, striving to uh, go for deeper union with you, Lord. That's what we want. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So um, so not only are we saving on hot water with this whole cold water, cold shower thing, I'm having like the shortest showers. In... I don't think we're saving because I'm actually taking longer warm showers. Really? I'm just like helping you. I'm just... <laughs> You're making up for it, I'm right? making up for Nice. You. Nice. Okay. Oh. So here's the thing. You've probably, have you heard stories about St. Francis and what he did to, um, to mortify the desires of the flesh, and it was related to cold water. Uh, no, just jumping in rose bushes naked or something. No, this was he would jump into ice cold, like bodies of water, like a pond or a river, and he would stay there. In in and he would, and they'd come upon him singing. Right, he'd also throw himself into rose bushes. <laughs> Right, and he'd be caught up in the rose bushes, and he'd be singing, and it was snowing out, and they're like, "What is that singing?" And it's oh, Brother Francis. How do you compare that to the people that actually are choosing this for non-religious reasons to awaken their senses, to discipline their brain and mind, like that Twitter? Jack Dorsey. See, yeah, you hear about these people. I, I talked to a couple of guys. They do this. They they take these cold plunges. Really? Mm-hmm. Who did you talk to? That that. Yeah, a couple of dads of the Oaks. Really? Yes. You're kidding. And it was, I didn't get the sense it was for faith reasons, but it probably was. But it was all the, uh, along the lines of this whole idea of disciplining the body, making it under the submission to the power of the mind or the strength of the mind or the, the will being submitted to the, to the, the flesh being submitted to the will, I guess. Or how does that work? I don't okay. know. So it's the proper language is <laughs> Thank you, honey. flesh and spirit. Okay? okay. Now, flesh and spirit is not the same as body and soul. Um, the body has a fallen dimension, right? The, the human being has a fallen dimension, and that's the flesh. The flesh is that urge that we have towards sin or that part of our being that is enslaved by sin. That's the flesh. And so when we talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil, that part of our lives that because of the impacts of sin, because of fallen human nature not yet fully redeemed, or because of sin we are stuck in, it's going to drag us into sinful behaviors. It's going to keep us stuck in sinful behaviors. And so when we attempt to mortify the flesh and engage in spiritual disciplines, it's all about allowing human nature to be healed, to be... So do you know the word salvation is, this, is the word for healing? So the saving of the human being... Oh. Is the healing of, of the human being. I don't think that's why secularists do this. Though. No, no, I don't not think they're looking all. for healing. I think they're looking for domination or submission of some sort uh, to overtake yeah, or over. I would say it's probably clarity, right? They they want to be awake and alert, focused oh, and clear, okay. right? Those are probably some of the the, the the benefits they get out of it. And there's probably some physiological, right? So physiological benefits that help them to think more clearly and, and be able to focus more intensively right. for longer periods. I remember reading something like right? that. Stuff like that. Yep. So 
so there is a way in which grace builds on nature, right? There is a way in which people can discover uh, patterns and, and practices that will allow you as a human being to come alive. I think of uh, breathing techniques, right? So there are breathing techniques that come from Eastern religions, that come from just techniques of meditation, that if you practice those breathing techniques, it's going to bring more oxygen to your brain and you'll be more alert and awake. And if you sit up straight, it gets more, uh, the, you know, the oxygen goes deeper into your lungs and, and that will allow you to be more alert. But that is, that's preparatory, right? It's only preparing you for a deeper elevation or deeper elevation, <laughs> a more exalted use, a supernaturalizing of what is purely natural. And so I can see how people who experience the fallen dimensions of our body are going to attempt to heal the negative effects of those fallen dimensions. But you're not going to be able to elevate it to a supernatural, uh, supernatural level. And that's what we're called to. I, w- I would like to actually now go look and see what they say about that. Yeah. Because they'll, do ex- they'll also do extreme fasts. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, my brother sent me a book on... I don't know if it was called extreme fasting or something like that, but he gets into 30-day water fasts mm-hmm. and how here are the effects that will start happening to your life if you do 30-day water fasts. I think they there's like a three-day cleanse. Have you heard of that? And it, it, yes. These are, these are all pretty much water-only type fasts. I don't know if they take vitamins or salt pills or, or something else in there. I, I don't know. I feel like a bad Christian when I see like secularists or atheists or uh, what's the the new kind of trendy religion that was around Nero or in the time of Jesus? Uh, it was Gladiator. It was what the Gladiator guy was. Oh, yeah. You mean Marcus Aurelius. Uh, he was a Stoic. So Stoicism. And you're right, actually. It was Stoics wanted to not allow the desires of the body, right, the appetites of the body, to cloud their judgment. And so there was a, a way in which they would attempt to deny the either the goodness of them or deny the use of them so that they could be f- bracing and facing reality. Yeah, and you're right. I, I actually talked to a a, a young man who self-identified as a Stoic. And he was finding it to be very meaningful. And I said, well, why don't we dig into that a little bit? Are you open to that? Oh, I'd love to have that conversation. And and the conversation went, I said, well, what's it all about then? I understand that you're, you're denying yourself something. You're de- denying yourself from something, but what are you denying it for? What does it all head towards? And then ultimately, what is all of this head towards? And that's where it, the reflections bumped up against a wall. It was a, it's a philosophy that works well for today, for here and now. I see the negative effects in the now. And so if I stop doing the things that have those negative effects now, then that's better than what I'm doing. That's better than what other people are doing. Yeah, but What's that all about? Why? Why? What, what's all that for? Even if that is a good thing, but what's a good thing leading to what? You need to have a, a perspective that is as big as life itself. That's called a horizon. You need a horizon for your philosophy against which everything gets measured. And so some people call that a philosophy of life. So that's what I, I had a whole class on that. How do you develop a philosophy of life? You took a class or taught a class? No, I, I took it. It was with oh. Father Noonan. Oh, Can, of oh. course, it's Father Noonan, of right? Of So how does this all relate to your cold showers? Um, let me see. Well, it's a very good question. St. Augustine says in his book on the morals of the Catholic Church, he says that there are people who pursue some of the same things that we're doing with greater vigor, with greater ardor, greater commitment. Yes, they and do. we should be ashamed. I am ashamed. I'm thinking, yeah. why is Jack Dorsey a better self-disciplined? Yeah, why is he better at fasting and denying his flesh than we are denying ours? Or not even it's that he's better. It's 
I feel like they're doing it for reasons that are not... Not nearly as worthy. As worthy. And yet I can't even do it for an incredibly worthy reason. How about an incredibly worthy reason? How about the only reason that really in the end matters, honoring God? Well, usually I, I do sacrifices for multiple reasons and I try to lean it towards... That, that's very realistic. <laughs> I try to get the majority of it towards serving the Lord, but sometimes there's some selfish... Carrie, what you just said is an incredibly important point. It's a very, very... I, I am completely serious. This is a very important point. Sometimes I will hear people talk as if that people ought to be acting for a singular purpose with a singular pure motivation. And that's what is the way, that's the way to do things. And I think to myself, that's so not only unrealistic, but lacking an understanding of human nature. The people will pursue God and godliness and, and good things with shades of meanings. Shades. I think that's a good word. Shades of color, of shades gray, of motivation. Of white and black. Yeah. And and if you wait to act until you have a pure motivation, you'll never act. No, you act from where you're at and take the goodness and the motivation that you see and and nurture that. That that gets fed. It's like putting gasoline in the car. You're gonna feed the the goodness of the motivation that's there, even if it's just a little seed. And and, and don't beat up all of the the mixed motivations, the bad motivations, and cling to uh, cling to one of those things because you'll you'll it's like the bruised reed he did not break, a, a a smoldering wick he did not quench. And I think that that's so important. Yeah, I think that the heart is I don't want to say complicated, but there's a lot going on and it's it's important for me to sit with areas where I lack and just see how God is trying to purify me and just be aware of, okay, and I don't get discouraged. I think, Lord, you made me this way or you made me and I have a fallen nature. I'm not saying he made my fallen nature, but I feel like he loves us and delights in our little efforts and is way more generous and merciful towards us than we are to ourselves. Yeah. Oh, that, for sure. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's a story related to that. So uh, we're recording this Thursday night. Earlier in the day, I met up with a woman who wanted to look at a house for rent. How many people did you talk to today? A lot. Like five? No, about 15 to 20 easily. You mean like phone conversations? I don't know. And just people like, I, I talked to about 15 people today. Oh, that yeah. I've never talked to before. Oh, really? Yeah. What does this have to do with anything? I don't know. It's just interesting that I talk to a lot of people. <laughs> it's all about me, Tom. I just talk to a lot of people in the parking lot, on the, we were up skiing, on the chairlift, in the lodge, at the restaurant. I don't know. I just talk to people all the time. I think that that's a gift you have where you have a freedom to enter into a space and, and initiate and invite a conversation that most people would not do. And that's a gift. And I think God uses that gift. I think you also have done that to speak into people's lives in a way that, again, is not typical or ordinary and can be shocking. Hmm. You were talking about the volleyball on the sidelines and that woman was, Oh, you yes. asked about, oh, do you go to church on Sunday? Mm-hmm. How, how did that conversation go? Uh, her daughter was struggling struggling a lot of anxiety and they're eventually going to pull her out and bring her to Gonzaga prep where she happens to teach. And I just challenged her to go to the Lord and seek his healing and love. And are you going to church? You know, Jesus loves your daughter and is after, it seeks after her. And I don't know, I just was boldly proclaiming God is on your side and you need to be there. I thought you said something that. like, Oh, do you go to church? And- oh yeah. When people say, yeah, no, I don't. I said, Oh, that's really too bad. <laughs> that's really unfortunate. Yeah, I have no problem saying, oh, that's really unfortunate. Even if they say, oh, yeah, I'm li- living with my boyfriend. Oh, that's really too bad. I, that's sad that you have settled. <laughs> I was like, just say what I say. I don't know. I'm just not going to let so immorality lie out there and think it's okay. I had a conversation with someone today, and I was like, oh, how's so-and-so doing? And I said, is she, is she married yet? Because she was living with a guy. This is 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, no. And 10 years later... They're still not. They're still 
living together, not married. And I said, they don't have any kids, do they? No, no. They have dogs. They prefer, no, no, cats. She <laughs> likes to rescue cats. And and that's that's their <gasps> lives. Me. They like to live and not be married and have cats. Mm-hmm. And I, I just said, what a sad life. All right, back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran along with my wife, Carrie. Hey, do me a favor. Go to mycatholicfaith.org, and there you can get free resources. I have a bunch of resources that will be a blessing to you during Lent, talks I've given, series I've done, all available for the big price of free. That's right. No cost to you. You can download these resources as well as books in digital form. My book on the Mass, the book on confession, the book on marriage. All of these are available to you. If you also, if you sign up for our free weekly uh, newsletter email, you'll get access to recent interviews and talks, not only on audio, but also in video format. Also, if you go to that website, mycatholicfaith.org, you'll have the ability to see the different, um, what's it called? Uh, platforms, social media platforms, Facebook and YouTube and Apple Podcasts, where you can sign up for those blessings as well. Okay, so Carrie, we I left with a statement that it, it can appear somewhat judgy, right? Like, oh, what a sad life. I saw this little video, or it was a, I don't know if it was a video, an article. I think it was an article, actually. It was an article. And this preacher was saying he had a call to anyone who wanted to come up for prayer, come and, and pray. And this young couple came up. And they said, we'd like to pray for our relationship. And he said, oh, tell me about your situation. They said, well, we're living together. And he said, I will pray for you. I'm going to pray that you repent of your sexual sin, that you would not live together and that you'd be free because sexual immorality is destroying your souls and keeping you away from God. And they got so mad, they left, and the guy (laughs) flipped them off as he was leaving the church. Yes. So they came forward all smiley and happy and just wanting to be blessed. Mm -hmm. May this... Minister of God bless them with a prayer so that they could feel good and justified about the life they're living and and then go the merry old way. I just love that he spoke with conviction and passion about a truth that they would not have heard. And I think that's how I felt when I was t- talking to this one mom when she said her daughter's struggling, but they're not going to church and she doesn't really, but she goes, but I'm spiritual. I didn't say I wasn't spiritual. I, sa- I said, oh, okay, good, good. But I felt, okay, I spoke really strong to her, but I felt like no one's speaking this truth into her life, even though she's at a Catholic school, and and that there was no real sense of guidance. She didn't kind of know what to do, and I just... Well, and the funny thing is, is that if you you had said to her, hey, there's this wonderful book on meditation, or this wonderful book on something that was soft and comfortable, Mm -hmm. and let's say experiential, or even you know, there's a wonderful counselor or mm-hmm. there's a group. She'd probably be open to it. But if you said, Jesus, confession, turn to the Lord and cry out for mercy and seek him and welcome him into your life. He's seeking you. He's he coming is seeking, for you. He is knocking on the door of your, your situation yeah. right now. And you, you have to realize how desperate you are to let him in. He is your answer. Who's going to say that to her? And if she hears it, will she be able to receive it? That's... I- that's well, the question. I think it's the the conviction and the passion in the like strength of which I spoke it to her that she just kind of looked at me wide-eyed, who is this crazy lady? <laughs> and I don't even know where it came from in, in talking to her, but I was so mad. Like, your daughter's getting destroyed. You have no solution. You're going to hang out and put her in the school and that school and 
She's going to continue to get destroyed. I was like, your solution's not going to work. I don't know. I just, I was, and the funny thing is I spoke to her in a way that, okay, I have all these emotions from seeing several train wrecks happen around me. And so I used all that energy and passion and directed it right at her like a fire hose. It's like, oh, sorry. I just like, this so bothers me when I see parents that don't take a stronger stand or I don't know, I should give them a phone. I mean, you know, I just, they just want this. They want that. I was like, okay, can I just slap you upside the head right now? And I don't know for, I guess I just don't have any more patience (laughs) or I'm tired of seeing over and over and over again, the loss of innocence, goodness, grounding in kids through abdicating courage and conviction yes Yes. about what is true and good and beautiful and just allowing an easy soft lazy way that avoids conflict that avoids challenge that avoids disrupting the apple cart of our kids lives i i don't know if i agree with all those adjectives i think parents or i would just be more not convicted and not parenting from a stronger sense of there is so much at stake. And I think, what, why am I freaking out so much? Why is this such a big deal? You know, just kind of... It's the house is on fire yeah, thing again. just chill. It's not a big deal. But a part of me, and I, I think there's a righteous anger that is building up of who God is and who we've become as a society and how we've just lost the, the, the incredible God... Father, all-powerful. Well, you know, Carrie, this also impacts our lives because I started with a story from early on Thursday where I was showing a woman a house, a rental property that we have. And oh, by the way, well, this I'll get to this in a minute. Uh, folks, if, if you are looking for a way to rescue your family, <laughs> we've got some rental properties that we will make available to you just to, to be able to flee crazy and get to a better place if you don't have a place to stay and you don't find it, have a home to buy yet, we will allow you to, to stay in these homes. Just be in touch with me. Go to drtomcurran.com. I will help you. All right, so I was showing one of these homes to this woman, and at the end of it, she was talking to me, and she's also doing real estate, and she said that she had a mission, and her mission was to equip families with food so that they could welcome others to their table. It was a kind of a missionary evangelistic approach that was different. Why would families not have food? Uh, it was not that they didn't have food themselves. <laughs> See my question, spirit. Wait, I don't get it. <laughs> it and I, I maybe didn't get the perfect pit. Like okay. she didn't show me, she didn't give me a brochure. Oh, okay, okay. The vision had something to do with if we, we don't want to just give food to the food bank, we want to give them to families to function like a food bank so they can get connected oh, to the poor. A family that need, That makes sense. So yeah, so if you want to, we want to help you. If you don't have money to spend to help reach out to a family in need, we'll give you the food okay. so that you can then serve this family in need. I, I see that. And now you're getting connected through food, cool. which is a really fascinating vision. And then she had a bigger, broader one about rescuing couples that are destroying their lives through domestic violence so to give women a safe place to heal and then men a place to go and do rehab. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very exalted vision. This woman is Christian and uh, she's ordained. So she and her husband are ordained in this whatever Protestant church it was. And I had this sense as I'm standing there in front of the house thinking the Lord is prompting me Offer to pray with her right now. That's what the Lord was asking of me. Pray with her right now, Tom. And I thought, Lord, right now I'm doing real estate work. Did you know she was her She had been dropping the breadcrumbs. My husband and I are ordained, and we have this mission. And she mentioned these other things. She never said Christian. She never said church. She just said ordained, and she said this mission. And I just had this sense that the Lord was saying, pray with her. And I said, it is so nice talking to you. I know we have to go now. Let's just keep each other, let's just keep each other in prayer. I mentioned to her my sense of getting into real estate because of my mission to help rescue families who are trying to find a healthier environment for their kids. And, and that's when I said, let's, why don't we just keep each other in prayer? And her response was, why don't we pray right now? And I was thinking, wow, 
she took that step of courage across the gap that I was prompted to do, and I didn't do it. Courage. She had the courage to do it. Courage is a beautiful thing. Yeah, so it's discern and obey. You discern with clarity in the moment, what does the Lord ask? And then you pray to have the courage to obey quickly and completely in accord with that. I discerned clearly, but I didn't have the courage to obey quickly. She did. And so she said, let's pray right now. And then she started praying for me. Great. <laughs> she prayed for, and then when she was done, I said, I got this. I don't have to pray with people. <laughs> did she rent the house? All I want to know is, did we get another rent? No, <laughs> so... Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but she sent me a text afterwards uh, <clears throat> later in the day just saying how blessed she was by our meeting. Hmm. And that, that, was, that was beautiful. So I, I prayed for her, and she was blessed by that prayer too. So I did eventually get there. But my point is... What it, is your point? What are you trying to say? <laughs> it's easy for us to be critical about people who have obvious areas where they're falling short in their life with God. But... God holds us to a higher account. To whom much has been given, much will be required. And if I can't be faithful in a little thing, like praying with someone mm-hmm. who is absolutely safe to pray with in that moment, mm-hmm. if I can't even cross that little gap and say to her, why don't we pray right now? I'm getting this little prompting to do that. And she had to do it. How can I be useful to God in bigger things? Why don't I look and see the, the plank in my own eye instead of the speck in the eyes of the couple who are living together and don't have a clue? Don't have enough and blessed with God's mercy, God's generosity, God's lavish, abundant care. Why am I so quick to judge them and miss the plank in my mm-hmm. own eye? That's where... what I was thinking. That's what you're thinking? Yes. I was like, wow, <laughs> some big planks going around. Oh, yeah, so that's, good. Uh, I, that's the gift of Lent. So the gift of Lent is that the Lord will give us opportunities to maybe become more aware of planks in our own eyes instead of us focused on the splinters in other people's eyes because we don't know the heart, the life experience, the spiritual journey of anybody else. I have to recover the spirit of St. Paul in 1 Timothy, where he said, of all sinners, I'm the greatest. And that is a personal insight. It's not an objective fact. It's not a, you know, it's not the case that if you lined up everybody's sins, St. Paul was the worst sinner of all time. It's that he is absolutely clear about how much grace and mercy and generosity God has given him and how unfaithful he has been in return. And he cannot even imagine that anyone who had been given as much as he had been given would do as poorly as he has done. That's the insight of I'm the greatest sinner. Not objective measurement, but personal conviction of his own failure to respond to the fidelity and purity of God's gracious invitations to him. Very good, Tom. I think that's part of the gospel this Sunday. Oh, yeah, that's the gospel of the man born blind. I believe at the end he talks about coming into the world for judgment so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Yeah. And I think there's this whole thing is, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But we see you say... And your sin remains. Uh, That's one of my favorite parts of that uh, gospel story is at the end. If you were blind, there would be no sin in that. But we see, you say, and so your sin remains. What does that mean to you, Tom? It's it's G.K. Chesterton. The, The one who is seriously ill is the one who thinks he's quite well. Right? It's that. It's if I think that I have absolute clarity or radical clarity about my own situation before God, and I'm all good, I see, well, then there's one thing that's really clear. I'm actually blind. <laughs> and, and that's why coming to see our sin is a gift of grace. The Lord has to reveal our sin to us. In fact, let's come back around to it. What does fasting do? It reveals It reveals our attachments to food. What does a cold shower do? It reveals our attachment to comfortable water. What does does 
sleeping uh, on an uncomfortable on a bed of nails, <laughs> jumping in a thorn bush with <laughs> in the, the cold. Uh, what about just denying ourselves chocolate chip cookies that and were very TV? weak? We They're... are so weak. We have no. We are so blind to our laxity. We are so blind to our spiritual minimalism, and Lent reveals it. What a gift! I love that. Yeah. So. For judgment, I came into the world. So when we talk about judging people, but still, he's like, so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So when, when, when he says, for judgment, I came into the world, yes. he didn't say, for condemnation, I yes. came into the world. That's like saying, for consequences, we judge, beha- we judge behaviors for the sake of consequences. Is consequences punishments? No. Consequences are either punishments or rewards. Consequence is a bigger category than punishment, just like judgment is a bigger category than condemnation. A judgment is naming what is true and real about a situation. So when Jesus comes to judge, he comes to rip away all the facades, strip away all of the pretenses, and he shows what's real. And if what's real is a pure heart, that's what shows up. If what's real is a filthy heart, then that's what shows up. But what doesn't get to happen is you get to live with a facade, with a false front. Did that feel good? That looked like that felt good just to preach I did. That. Well, people can't say I was, po- I was pointing at you quite a bit <laughs> in that. I wasn't pointing at me in that at all. I was just really kind of wagging my. I was like, "Thank you, Jesus. You just like a volleyball. You just were a set. I just set. You just set. That's a good set. That's a good. Actually, that's a good hit. Yes, that was good. By the way, do you know what college uh, college coaches look for in volleyball players? This is not a distraction, is it? This is not a distraction. No, they're looking for someone who can pass. Is that better than hitting? Pass is number one. Setter is number two. Hitter is number three. I never heard that before. I find that so interesting. Why? Well, I'll tell you in a minute on Sound Insight. So, <laughs> come on. That was a great carry. That's a tee up. Come on. I don't know. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. During the break, Carrie said she was confused. <laughs> you did. I'm always confused. Hey, I'm, I'm exposing uh, what is real. That's all right, Dad. And you were, it was about the concept of judgment. Because in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, God's people, would pray, Lord, judge me. Judge my cause, O Lord. Judge me, O Lord. They weren't afraid of God's judgment. Basically, it was, Lord, reveal what is real. Show us what is real. We want to take things out of the hiding and out into the open. That's judgment. Judgment is crying out for God to expose the reality of the situation. Condemnation is when something is revealed that is damnable or dark or evil, that's condemnation. So condemnation is one outcome of judgment. I I, I think of judges of gymnastics performances. You know, it's 10 out of 10. That's a judgment. We've judged your performance as being perfect. But if you don't get a 10 out of 10, we're identifying the flaws where it's fallen short. That's judgment. Could you just repeat that again? <laughs> did you like that? Did, did you, are you taking relish in that? Honey? I, just, oh, I love your um, ability to clarify and refine and then clarify. You just said you're a good judge. Yes. Thank you, dear. You're welcome. That is so good. All right. So next, I want to talk about, okay, so Carrie, I mentioned volleyball and how I just found this out. I was talking to a guy whose daughter, he had two daughters get uh, recruited by colleges and they talked about what they looked for in players. And I thought, oh, height would be the first thing. And it wasn't. It was the ability to make a good pass. And you think, oh, that's not a very sparkly aspect of volleyball you think of the hitter yes slamming the ball spiking the ball that's that's all the pizzazz and the fireworks and they said no 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 it's the pass it's the person who can get the ball coming across the net and is able to receive that serve or receive that hit coming from the other side and is able to pass it to the setter is that the libero uh, they call it defensive specialist okay. or libero. So it's only like one person out there or um, two. It's actually most of the people, right? So huh. y- y- four of the people 
have to be able to They're gonna, they serve, receive, it. and their job is to be able to, no matter where they are on that court, pass the ball over to where the setter is to be able to set the setter up to set the hitter. And and that's the second most valuable position is, is the setter, being a good setter. And I think about that for our spiritual lives. I think that we focus on the thing that is the most visible, the thing that is the outcome, rather than do we have the spiritual capacity to, to take in, to receive what's coming at us, and then to take that and to turn it into something that will set us up for success and make the hit, be able to score, be able to get that ball back over the net. And I think that what happens is we focus on the outcome. So the outcome would be, oh, here's the situation that happens, and we respond with patience and kindness. Oh, this thing happens, and we're able to extend mercy. Oh, this thing happens, and we're able to fast and pray and intercede for for an hour for that situation. All of those, uh, or we're able to sacrifice and give something up. Those are the those are the hits. Those are the spikes that happen at the end. But the reason why those often fall short or are shallow is because of what happened way before, way before in terms of our capacity to receive from God. If we don't receive from the Lord, then we're not going to have the strength we need to be able to set ourselves up to respond to situations in godly ways. How do you receive from the Lord? In prayer. It's, it's not, that's the part that's not that complicated. It's learning to make prayer our commitment. Why? Because in prayer, we receive from the Lord. We give in return to the Lord. It's that communing with the Lord in prayer. And it, it's so passe, it's so common, it's so easy to hear and to say that we just set it aside. It's not so glitzy. It's not so sparkly. It's, I would have been quicker to be prayerful and jumped on the opportunity to follow the Spirit and pray with that person if I had received in a bigger way that morning, if I had been receiving in a bigger way throughout the course of my Lent. I would have been ready to step up, stand out, give in in bigger ways when the opportunity arises. Has uh, your prayer in Lent surprised you at all? Yeah, it has. Yeah. I would say from the standpoint of technology diminishing has definitely opened up silence. How tempted were you to go on technology with the big bank bank failures? (laughs) Well, I'll be honest with you. It's been not really not. Hmm. No, it hasn't really that that was not a big deal for me. Something that was surprisingly not as big of a deal as I thought it would be was March Madness. So March Madness last Sunday was Selection Sunday. Did you know that? No. Do you know what Selection Sunday is? Yes. They choose eight teams from each I have no idea. I know they select the teams that make it. Right, 64 teams okay. and then there are four others so they actually select 68 so then the four play the play in or something like that. Did you then, do you watch that usually? The play in games? No, the the selection Sunday? Yes. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, for years that was a big deal. Who's going to be the number 1 seed? Like was Gonzaga going to be a number 1 seed? What are they seated? I believe they're seated third. That's I think they were good. a 3 seed. So that means that they're in the top 12 okay. of, the, of the country, right? So the number one seeds are one through four, et cetera. And they're a number three seed. Uh, I think they're playing against UCLA once they get past the first round, which is a number two seed. And that, that's a second round game. So that would, that'll be exciting. Anyways, the Selection Sunday happened, and I, I didn't even pay attention. I didn't even know who was number one. And... Then we had the playing games. I was like, I don't even know. Did they happen? And then yesterday they had the first round. And, and I bumped into a couple of guys who were like, hey, did you hear? Arizona lost. They got upset by Princeton. And I'm like, oh, is, is that the first round? Is that today? And I'm like, Arizona, what are they ranked? And so they're, I guess they're a two seed and they lost to a 15 seed. And that's a shocking thing. All those brackets are just wiped out. 99% of the brackets <laughs> are gone. 
are gone, right? <laughs> the number of people that chose Princeton over Arizona had to be mm. minuscule. A bunch mm. of moms in uh, in uh, New Hampshire were, or, or in New Jersey, in mm. New Jersey. Yeah, that's about it. A bunch of students. Not a lot of people. Chose. So you weren't invested in that as much as you thought? So your prayer has... Not only that, but I didn't miss it. Good. That's it, that's the good thing. That's, that's the what thing. what it is. It's like, do you really miss these place, these things I've been filling my mind, time, attention with, and that kind of, that pull, or have I just been so caught up in what God's doing or another purpose-driven space that I don't miss it? I think that it's hard for us to imagine that God and the things of God can fill our lives with meaning and joy and satisfaction I think we, it's so foreign to us. It's such a big stretch that it's a lot easier to just turn on Netflix or Amazon Prime and just start binge watching some show or series. That's so much more at hand and stimulating and satisfying at the, at the level of the senses. And it's hard to be weaned off of that. It is. So again, that's part of the gift of Lent. So to answer, Lent has been such a great gift to me because I deleted the YouTube app and I don't go on social media other than Facebook because I'm on Facebook for the the real estate work I'm doing and the ministry work I'm doing. And that's also a nice rationalization. Because that was good. Did you like that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do it fall, all the did time. Did you fall for that one? I, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, my, I think my rationalization rationalizations are not aren't as good as yours okay yeah so <laughs> anyways um so that that has been a blessing and i've also done more reading and one of the neat things about that is that i end up getting other guests on the radio program so on tuesday i have father joseph fessio on the program who's that he is the founder of ignatius press he was a student of Benedict XVI, oh. Cardinal Ratzinger. Oh. Yeah, and that's impressive. That means he was getting his PhD smart. in theology in German. <laughs> yeah, he's a Jesuit. He's very, very smart. And so there's a new book called, called The Divine Project. It's, I, I told you it's these cassettes they found of these lectures given by the then Cardinal Ratzinger. And it is amazing. I just, you, how many times have I sat there? Just, you see me reading and I'm just shaking my head. And I'm like, I can't believe these insights. So I am so excited for that interview next Tuesday. He's the one that put the book out? Uh, he's or the, he's the publisher of okay. the book and he knows. And he's probably read it because he oh, yeah. had that, him as a He teacher. might even have been there at, at those lectures. He, he was listening to the cassettes. He has yeah. them. Yeah, he found the cassettes in his back room in the closet. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We're up against a break. When we're back, uh, back in a minute with more Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern along with my lovely wife, Carrie. And happy St. Patrick's Day. All right, Carrie, back at you. Here we are. You asked me about how my Lent was going in prayer. And most of my prayer side of Lent has been personal. A little bit of family stuff, but mostly it's been personal prayer. I, I as opposed to like praying on Facebook. No, praying with groups. Like you have, you oh. have these different Bible studies and women's groups and groups that you you get together with. I, oh, okay. I, it feels like you have been a more intent. I, I, you've been intentional for quite a while, uh, for a while now. But the fact that you're you're leading a group now, or you have this group of ladies that you're yes. meeting with on a weekly basis. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. my The most important group that I'm really excited about that just, it, I am on fire is my soccer group. <laughs> I'm like, where is she going with this? Where do you, you know I was going to go somewhere. My kids wanted me to start a soccer team and I've not coached soccer. I played it, but I've coached a few sports and I figure, oh, I can, I can figure this out. As long as I have a few high school boys to run the drills. And I, I just mean, tell everyone, yeah. yeah, my boys, tell them what to do. It's a rec team, so no pressure. Um, rec meaning like low level, fun, fun, get out in the spring, run around, get in shape. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I don't know why I added that to my, to my list, but I did. Um, 
Yeah, I have a couple different groups that I'm doing. One is my family group. It's been okay. We need to up our game. Uh, your family group, you meet over <laughs> FaceTime and you discuss Zoom. the Sunday readings. Oh, sorry. Over yeah. Zoom. You use Zoom and you discuss the Sunday readings, which is impressive that you have siblings and, and a few spouses that will join, and, and your mom, and Christine. And Christine, Christine definitely yeah. is there, and she brings Lily. <laughs> Lily's arm is broken. Uh, yeah, the Walking with Purpose group has been going really well. Um, it's a very int- The book is easy to read, but she just covers so much profound, foundational topics. I like our group because we do, like, we sing and, like, worship songs, and then... Um, we're all refugees, so we all have moved in the last two to four years, except for one gal. And we all have kids the same age for the most part, and just very similar stages in life, and we're all starting over new. So it's really interesting to get together with all of us who don't really know each other that well, and we're all just de- diving right into the depths of who God is and where we've been hurt. Yeah, every and time I come home during the meetings, you're all crying, <laughs> and just crying. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, Tom, leave the room. I'm like, okay, I'm not even here. Go. Just I don't know what the Lord's doing. It's good, though. I'm just kidding. I, no, crying. they're not. We're not all crying, but it is really fun to see how God is, um, His grace is present. And then this other group is Fire Within, and it's Wednesdays. So Father Thomas Dubay wrote a book in the late 80s, early 90s called Fire Within, which covers the spirituality and the spiritual theology of St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross, the founders of the Discalced Carmelites. That's a heavy lift. It's a very profound book. There's a lot. That's a very meaty book. That that one, it's not like there's a, a guide to get through it either. So reading that book is, that's a heavy lift. It's helpful to have someone who knows... What it's about. Oh, honey, do you have anybody that's yeah. been helping you? <laughs> I was like, Tom, what does this mean? Tom, what does that mean? Um, but it's good. It's good to stretch my mind. I think my Lent, did you ask me how my Lent is going? Yeah. I think it's going well, but it could go better. Could everybody say that? Yeah. I guess everyone could say that. I think if I... That's very Aquinas. Uh, that's very Thomas Aquinas. Because he talks about life, you're on a journey, and you can measure it against where you come from. Oh, okay. So there's the gift. And then you can measure it against where you're headed, and that's the gap. Right, so you're yeah. living your life on the way. So you can always, always discern where am I at in the light of how far I've come and how far I've yet to go. Yes, I, you're asking me right now, and I'm super tired. So ask me tomorrow morning, and I will be a hundred percent sending it. It is amazing. It's awesome. Tomorrow's insight is amazing. But at nighttime, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. I have found you to be. Bolder, you have a, a greater sense of boldness in you, and I, th- I see that as a fruit of your pursuit of the Lord. So it feels to me when I'm like watching you, I am seeing fruit come out of you, where your boldness is connected to living for the Lord. You, you use the example of speaking out and speaking into people's lives. Courage. Yeah, that sense of courage. Yeah. Uh, but it's also boldness. And I, I love it. It's very attractive. And I especially love it a couple of times when you've said to me, the Lord, you've been asking the Lord, how do I love my husband better? That is, That's right. <laughs> that is from God. Oh. That is definitely a bold prayer. I Lord, really help me love my wife, uh, my husband better. I That's, really do need to love you better, though. That That's, is good. It's I true. like that. You know, what I've found is that the gift of commitments is that you don't have to think about it. Yes. I think that it's crowding out my non-productive or passe time, and it's filling it with spiritual reading and spiritual prayer and forcing me to, <coughs> excuse me, um, serve in a way that I just wouldn't. It's like having nine kids. I have to make dinner for them and serve them and be poured out for them. I wouldn't choose it. It's been chosen for me. So I think joining some of these prayer groups, it's like, okay, I necessarily wouldn't choose this, but since I've signed up or I've offered to do it, I have to carry it out. And Carrie, what I was saying was that it frees us from, when you make a commitment, it frees you from the burden of choice. 
I don't think that parents often think about that, that giving kids a choice is giving them a burden versus asking them to make a commitment and then you don't have to worry about the choice. You just do what you committed to do. That's a big growth in maturity. That's a big growth. And, and you can see how freedom is connected with commitments, right? The ultimate dimension of freedom is consenting to something, committing to something. Then it's coming from within, and you don't have to bur- make the burdensome choice. When I get up this morning, what am I going to do? No, I know I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to Mass. So if we say, okay, every night we're praying as a family at this time, there is no option. Hey, do you guys want to? Do you guys think we should do this? But it's just in the routine. Yeah. Like that? It so becomes a habit. Right. So I would say, how many times have I done men's groups? And it's, we're going to pray Monday through Friday at five in, in the morning. And we all go and meet together. And we prayed five to six in the morning. Why? Well, we made a commitment. If I just every morning had to say, do I want to get up really this morning at five all by myself and do this? It would a couple days and it's done. But the Lenten commitments is quite freeing because you don't have to think about it. So that has helped me uh, several days put mass at the beginning of my day and making sure that everything else gets crowded out, but not mass. I love that. So it's, uh, you know, everything gets crowded out, but not my morning prayer, not mass. I, those are boom, bolted into the ground. And I, I've been swindled enough out of the thinking that, oh, you know what? I'll just go to mass later in the day. And then it just gets crowded out. It gets washed away. Oh, something unexpected happened. And I, I say to myself, how did that happen? How could I be fooled again? So another one of those great gifts of Lent is that you made a commitment to these women. You made a commitment to that other group and to that other group. And those are (laughs) bolted onto the calendar. And what happens? You don't have to think about it. And look at the blessings that come because of that. So true, Tom. Yeah, I just think think about it. You're already starting to see those fruits. But it also is hard. And there's a way in which it is based on God's grace. So I have seen how many times that the grace that was given makes things easy for the time that the grace is given. And then there's this sense of, oh, I'm I'm going to do this the rest of my life. And then three days after Easter, I've collapsed back into the older behavior. Warm showers, here it comes. Because there was a grace associated with taking the cold showers or fasting in the way that people fast or uh, praying the way that they're praying. So hopefully it builds up a new habit, but some of it's just God's grace. Amen. So I just think that that's that's another important part to hold on to is that there are things that will become installed in your life that will become the new normal for you, the new supernaturalized normal. But there are other things that will go back to the way they were because the grace that was given was for a season. And you can't make that happen on your own. It was God's gift for the moment. So, all right, Carrie, thank you so much for being with me today and walking through our program. All right, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. God bless you all. Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight.